Today, I'm going to be unpacking gentleness and talking about what does it look like for us to model this attitude or this virtue, this fruit of the Spirit, and and how can we live that out in our lives. But before we jump into that, I just want to recap last week, I shared about humility, and humility is a really important, again, a really important virtue for us to understand as followers of Christ, and for us to live gently, for us to embody gentleness, we need to be reminded minded and live in humility. And so, I just want to quickly recap a couple of things that I shared from last week. I shared this quote from Rick Warren, which is, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And, you know, in Merriam-Webster and a few different dictionaries online, they define humility as the freedom from pride. And now I shared about that pride has two sides of its coin. There's a side of pride that is the self-exalting side, where it's, look at me, I'm amazing, I can do this, I'm incredible, I'm God's gift to the world, which I actually am, by the way, the name, my name, Nathan, it literally means God's gift. So I'm not being prideful, I'm just talking about who I am. No, but, um, but pride has a side of self-exaltation, where we lift ourselves up, where we think more of ourselves, we place ourselves as really important more than what we actually are. And then there's the other side of pride, which is the self-degrading side. And it's the side of pride where there's false humility mixed in, where it says like, oh, I'm less than God actually calls me. You know, God calls me a son. We are all priests. We are saints. And But I, I'm not that because, you know, I'm less than that. Or maybe I have this gift that God has given me, but I'm not going to acknowledge that gift and I'm going to think less of myself, maybe to seek compliments, maybe because I just want you to feel bad for me. But there's two sides of pride. There's the self-exalting and the self-degrading side. And humility is freedom from that. Humility is freedom from pride. And the three keys that I shared about for us to remain humble and to live in humility was to know who we are in God and who God is to us. The second one was gratitude and for us to remember what the Lord has done for us, to keep us grounded in His works, not in our works. And lastly, which is really important and pertinent for us to understand gentleness and to be gentle, was obedience and that it's crucial for us as followers of Christ, if we want to live humbly, if we want to live in and from from humility, that we are obedient to God's will for our lives. And so that brings us now to this week, to gentleness. I've spent some time researching this week what gentleness looks like to the world, how the world defines gentleness, because each and every one of us, we live in the world. We see in Scripture where it says that we are in the world, yet we are not of the world. And so we have to be aware of what the world defines gentleness as, because that's how we know what we're coming up against. And that's how we can see the contrast between what the world defines versus what the Bible defines. And so I'm going to quickly just share about a couple of the things that the world defines as gentleness. After a quick search on the internet, it's revealed that there's a bit of a void in the topic of gentleness. Similar to when Sam shared about faithfulness, there's a little bit of a void in the topic of gentleness as much as there is faithfulness. There's a lot of Christian writing on both faithfulness and gentleness. However, there's not a whole lot of worldly writing or discussion about gentleness. There is some, but it's not as existent as something like love or peace or joy. 
And quite often, I think gentleness has this negative connotation about it within worldly thinking. Gentleness can often be seen as weakness. It can often be seen as frailty or a lack of strength. Gentleness is anything but that. And we know that and we will discover that as we look at what the Bible says about gentleness. You know, Christian sites talk about gentleness as a virtue or as an attitude. It's something that needs to be cultivated in our lives or practiced in our lives. Psychology sites often describe gentleness as a personality type, and it's in the realm of self-care, like being gentle to yourself, being gentle with the thoughts that you have about yourself. And I think the most common way that gentleness or the, the thought of gentle or being gentle is often portrayed or seen within worldly culture is to do with beauty products. If you think about it, there are a lot of companies that advertise their products as being gentle for your skin. And quite often, that's the full story of what gentleness is within worldly culture. That's what it looks like. There's this therapist and author named Andy Kolber, and they write, we live in a culture that constantly asks us to ignore, to suppress, to stifle, to numb, and to shame our bodies, our emotion, and others. And when we disconnect in this way, because of the trauma or the culture or the systems that we exist in, our ability to tolerate and process these experiences diminish. That's a great example, Simon, a lion picking up a cub in its mouth. We see nature being gentle with each other. But quite often the narrative of the world and the narrative culture around us is really aggressive. It's really strength-focused. It's quite attacking-focused. And, and gentleness doesn't fit within this framework in the world's understanding of it. But we, we see all around us and we have interactions with people all the time where deep down you can see that they're crying out for a gentle response. I've been trying to think of some life experiences where maybe the worldly culture tells us to not be gentle. And with just a short amount of thinking, there are so many things that happen in our lives where we have opportunities to be gentle or where the world has opportunities to be gentle and we just don't do it. Think about if you're driving in a car and someone cuts you off. What is your thought in that moment or what is your action in that moment that you wish to do to that person? I know for me personally, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be placing one of my fingers upwards and the rest of them down and probably being quite annoyed at that person. And even as a Christian, I still get quite frustrated. Or what if you're stuck behind someone who's driving 60 in an 80 zone? What emotions does that cause to rise up inside of your heart? Even something like when you're shopping and you're in a retail store and the retail worker isn't able to help you with what you're trying to find. What is your thought about that person? How do you want to respond to that person? Or, or what if you're in an argument or a disagreement with a friend or a family member? I feel like in the last 12 months, we've had a lot of discussion about, you know, coronavirus and the government and your thoughts, vax, non-vax. What is the position of your heart when you're having those conversations, those discussions, those arguments? Is the posture of your heart being gentle? Are the words and the actions that you're doing and saying are they coming from a gentle place? Are they coming from a place that's rooted in anger? Or maybe it's rooted in pride? 
It doesn't take long for us to look at our lives, and not just our lives, but the world in general and the culture that's around us, and see that gentleness, there is a void. And it's, it's not a well-known trait or virtue. It's not something that we often see. Very rarely, you know, if someone cuts you off, uh, and I try to practice this every now and then, and I definitely don't get it right, but there was a period of time where if someone would cut me off in the road, I would stop and I'd pray for them as I'm driving. I'd be like, God bless this person. God, I pray that their life would prosper. I pray that they would come to know you. And that's a really costly thing to do. And I don't do it enough, and I should do it more. But gentleness, gentleness is this really important fruit of the Spirit. It's so important that it's, it's written about a lot in the New Testament. We're going to look at that now. Where does gentleness show up in the Bible? How often does it show up? There is a lot of writing about gentleness. There are a lot of mentions of it. I just want to quickly flag that gentleness can quite often be used interchangeably with the word meekness. And depending on the translation that you read, whether it's a more new translation like the NIV or the NLT, they're more likely going to use a word gentle. But when you read something like a King James or an ESV Bible or NASB, they're going to be using both meekness and also gentleness, they don't exactly mean the same thing. And there's a couple of different Greek words that are used and that are translated to meekness and gentleness. And we're going to look at that in a moment, but they are used interchangeably. And so here are some verses that are in scripture that describe the gentleness of God, but then also our responsibility to be gentleness as his followers. In Psalm 18:35, it says, this is David writing, by the way, it says, you have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand has supported me and your gentleness has made me great. In Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace. In 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12, and this is Paul again writing to Timothy, he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee from these things. In the verses before, he was talking about things of the world and things to not do. But he goes on to then say, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. In Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 4, we see here that a, a gentle answer or a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer or a harsh word stirs up anger. And then in verse 4, it says that a gentle tongue is a tree of life. And finally, in Philippians 4, verse 5, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident for all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident for all. So here are a small handful of verses that talk about both the gentleness that we are called to live in and exhibit to the world around us, but also the gentleness of God. You know, and, and we, 
as a people are made in the image of God. We, we all have that understanding, right? When we look back in Genesis, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. He created man in his image to be co-laborers or co-creators and to rule and have dominion over the earth. We obviously lost that right because sin entered the world. But then when Christ came and he died on the cross and we experienced salvation, we've been adopted back into the family of God and are therefore called as heirs to the throne, as priests, as sons and daughters of the Most High God to go and do more, to go and to live by the Spirit of Christ to make disciples. And, and we have this understanding, right? We grasp what it means to be a child of God and to live in the ways of God. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 11, we're going to just read a few verses in here. And this is Jesus. He's teaching and he's speaking at this point in time in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to pick it up in verse 28. And this is a really well-known verse. This is one of my favorite verses. And it says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the word yoke there, he's not talking about an egg yolk. So funny, isn't it? He's not talking about egg yolks. The word yoke in ancient times, in the ancient Near East, it was actually a really common phrase. And the phrase, it actually described a harness that would be over a bull. And like that was one use for the word. It was, it was an apparatus that was meant to be used in farming. But then it also described the ways of a rabbi. But it was a really common phrase for a rabbi to tell his followers to take his yoke upon them, which basically translates to take my ways and to learn them and to make them your ways. Does that make sense? So when we read this here, what Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, which he's basically saying, here are my ways. Here's what I do. Here's who I am. Take this and make it for yourself. Make it your own. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And so we're encouraged here that we see that Jesus is gentle and he's humble in heart. And we get to experience rest when we take on his ways. We get to experience the gentle heart of Christ when we take on his ways. If you want to flip back to Galatians 5, we're going to contrast this here with some of Paul's writing. And we're going to go back all the way to verse 1 in Galatians 5. It says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Isn't it interesting that Paul uses that same term, a yoke? Again, it's not an egg yoke, but it's a yoke, the ways of a rabbi or the ways of this world. Paul encourages us that we have been set free by Christ. And so we are to stand firm in his ways or in, in the yoke of Christ and to not again fall to the yoke of the world, to fall back into slavery. 
And Paul goes on in Galatians 5 to begin to talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ and how we're called to live as that. He then contrasts that by talking about the ways of the world or the yoke of the world, which look like things like lying and deceit and immorality and sin and pride and anger and all these things. And then he finishes by describing life by the Spirit, by describing the same yoke that Christ lived, because we know that Jesus, when he walked the earth, he was in unison with the Father, right? Jesus, on on multiple occasions, describes that he only sees or does what he sees his Father doing, or he only says what he hears his Father saying. And so Jesus lived in the yoke of God. He lived in the ways of God. He knew what God was saying, what God was doing, and he obeyed and followed. He encourages us to take his yoke, Paul encourages us to not take the yoke of the world, but to take the yoke of Christ, the ways of Christ. And we're encouraged to live by the Spirit. And so I would like to suggest, first and foremost, that for us to to embody gentleness, for us to live as gentle people, to have the fruit of the Spirit of gentleness exhibited in our lives, we first have to receive and understand the gentleness of Christ. There, does that make sense? We have to know the gentleness of Christ. And and it's not a hard concept to know. All we have to do is look to the act on the cross, which is one of the greatest, it is the strongest act of love. It is the greatest thing that has ever happened on this earth. Yet, it is incredibly gentle because Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. Jesus satisfied the judgment that you and I were to experience forever and gave us a way to enter into the mercy, the grace of God. An incredibly gentle and kind and loving thing. So first, we must receive the gentleness of Christ. And that's really crucial for us to understand because remember, we are image bearers of God. We're made in his image, we're image bearers, and we're called to mirror God on this earth. We're called to live in his image. And so as sons and daughters, if if Christ is gentle and humble in heart, we need to experience that for ourselves, and we need to receive that first. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, by the humility and the gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when you went away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Here's Paul writing to the church in Corinth for the second time. And again, he thinks it's incredibly important to remind the followers of Christ, the church, the body, us. Really, really important. He thinks it's so important to remind them that they do not live by the standards of this world. They do not live by the yoke of this world and all the things that that means, but they are to live in the yoke of Christ. He appeals to them by the humility and the gentleness of Christ. I just want to pause here and unpack some of the original language because it's really important for us. I'm reading this translation, I'm reading from the NIV right now, and in the ESV, I believe, and also in the NASB, 
This verse actually starts off by saying, by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Now, the NIV translates this word to humility, but if you go back and you look at the writing in Greek, there are two words that are used here. The first word, by the humility or in the NIV or by the meekness in the ESV or the NASB, the word meekness or humility translated here in Greek is the, the Greek word praultas. And it actually is literally translated to gentleness or to meekness. And this word, praultes, which its root word is praus, which is used over and over and over again in the New Testament, it's used for the word gentle or the word meek. And so in Galatians, later in Galatians 5, where it's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, that is the Greek word that is used. When you're looking in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, like, I am gentle and humble in heart, the word gentle then is the word praus. And so we see here, although it says humility, it actually is the word gentleness or the word meekness. And so we see Paul saying, by the meekness or by the gentleness, and then gentleness of Christ. And it's interesting that he says gentleness and meekness twice in a row. And again, this is why it's really important that we, we study beyond what our English Bibles say, because that second word there isn't the same word. Paul doesn't repeat himself. He does in a sense because he's talking about the same thing, but it's a different word. And that second word there, gentleness, is actually the Greek word, ipiikia, which is translated to a gentle or a soft approach, to extend a gentle or a soft approach. And this is really crucial for us to understand because these two words here, they are of the same word, they are speaking of the same thing, but they're coming from two different angles. The first word is talking about an internal virtue or an internal attitude or virtue, and it's talking about the gentleness of the heart. And then that second word is talking about gentleness or meekness in action. Really crucial. Gentleness of the heart, an internal thing, and then gentleness in action, an external thing. Paul is coming to the church in Corinth with gentleness in his heart, but also gentleness in his action. And if we look back at the life of Christ, we see that throughout his story, there are so many examples of him being gentle in his heart, but it's not just staying there. It leads to gentleness in action. Think about the story of Jesus walking down the road and there's a massive crowd swarming around him and he's walking down the road and people are touching him and they're trying to get close to him and they're all saying, Jesus, can you come here and do this? And Jesus, can you come here and heal this person? Jesus, can you answer this question for me? And in the midst of all this that's going on, Jesus spots a little man up in a tree whose name is Zacchaeus and Jesus takes the time to walk over to him and to talk with him. He then even goes further to going to his house and meeting with him. And we all know what takes place. We know that Zacchaeus is not a godly man. He is a man that is despised by his friends and his families because he's gone over to the dark side. He's become a tax collector. And so he's not a liked man within society. And Jesus takes the time to stop and to attend to his needs. And if we look at the interaction in its full, it's an incredibly beautiful thing that Christ does. I would like to suggest that 
gentleness is one of the reasons why Christ first stopped and took the time to talk to him, but then also went to his house and enacted redemption in his story. Not only because of gentleness, but I would say that it could not have happened unless he embodied the gentleness of God, both in his heart, but also in his action. And so these are the three kind of thoughts that are really important for us to, I believe, to be gentle people, to live the the fruit of the Spirit, which is gentleness. We have to first receive, we have to understand that we are the image bearers of God and that everything, every good gift that we have comes from God. The way that we are made is because of the fact that God has made us. And so we need to receive the yoke of Christ, the ways of Christ, to not live in the ways of the world and to, to know his gentleness towards us, to know that his gentleness is extended to us. And through that, we experience grace. Through that, we experience mercy. Through that, we experience love, redemption, adoption, all these things that we know. We must remind ourselves of that. But it doesn't stop there because we're encouraged to take on his ways. We're encouraged to live life by the Spirit. As it says here in Galatians 5, in verse 16, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. Paul encourages in his writings over and over and over again to live by the Spirit of God, to live in the ways of God, not in the ways of the world. So we must receive, but it doesn't stop there. We then have the internal workings of gentleness, the gentleness of heart, the gentleness of the virtue of gentleness that we're called to live by, that we're called to radiate within us. So when you get cut off in traffic, that anger doesn't rise up in you, but it is covered by a gentleness that is there. But it doesn't stop there. It goes one further to action, gentleness in action. And so then from that place where you have the fruit of the spirit of gentleness within your heart because you've received it from Christ and you're living in the ways of the spirit, you can then extend a gentle response to those around you. We receive, we cultivate, and we have it inside of us, and then we act. It's not one or the other, it's all three. It's all three. Now, gentleness isn't this soft thing. Gentleness isn't this pseudo-spiritual, feel-good, pat you on the back, oh, it's all going to be okay kind of thing, right? Gentleness has grit to it. Gentleness has strength to it. Gentleness is enacted because of a choice that you make to follow in the ways of Christ. Gentleness isn't about patting people on the back when they maybe deserve to be told the truth in grace. It's not about feel good. It is warmth and it is encouraging and it's reassuring. For sure, it is all those things in its nature. But it's not some willy-nilly thing that we can just throw around and it's not, you know, the world's self-care routine and self-love and it's not that. 
It's not a soft makeup for your skin. It's a fruit of the Spirit in your life. It's a fruit of the Spirit in my life. And so what could it look like? Gentleness doesn't just need to be practiced within a body of believers. It it shouldn't be just something that's evident in our Sunday morning gatherings or in our activate group gatherings. Gentleness is something that we should be extending to every single person that we have an interaction with. So can I encourage us in a few things? And I'm going to be, I'm speaking this to myself right now. The next time you get cut off in traffic, rather than being annoyed or frustrated at the injustice of that moment, Allow yourself to receive the gentleness of Christ and then extend that to that person. Pray for them. Pray that God would bless them. Pray that they would know his love for them. The next time someone's driving 80 in a 100 zone, rather than trying to go around them and overtaking them, just sit there and grow in patience and take that opportunity to pray for the person in front of you. As countercultural as that sound, isn't that what we're meant to be? A people that are countercultural, that although we are in the world, we do not wage war with the world. Maybe the next time you're stuck in the line at a grocery store because someone's trying to pay for their groceries with a gift card and then another gift card and then five bucks cash and then the rest on their credit card, rather than getting annoyed at the delay that we're experiencing, let's just pray for that person. Heck, maybe give that person a $50 note. The next time you're inconvenienced by someone who's arguing with you about something, who's disagreeing with you and has a different thought, rather than fighting for what you think and you believe, just stop and listen. It doesn't matter if what they're saying is incorrect. Practice the gentleness of Christ. Imagine Jesus, right? He spends the better part of 25, 30 years being a construction worker, studying the the ways of God and studying the scripture and, and all to become a rabbi. He then spends about three years ministering on earth. And the bulk of Jesus's teaching and, and what goes on in his life is usually in response to Pharisees and Sadducees that are questioning him all the time. Can you imagine how annoying it would have been that every time you speak, every time you do a healing, every time you pray for someone, you know, every, like even if you're just practicing Sabbath, all these different things that Jesus did, he was questioned time and again, time and again, time and again. And we see over and over and over again, Jesus relinquished his right to respond from a place of pride. And his response was always so gentle. He did not lash out and tell them to shut up. I can imagine that he might have wanted to though. Imagine being questioned all the time about every single thing that you're doing, knowing that people are plotting against you. In today's day and age, you would try and enact revenge. You would go after that person. You would seek to remove them from your life. I've done that myself. But we see that Christ modeled the fruits of the Spirit. He modeled gentleness and extended it to every person that we see he interacted with in the Bible. So the next time you're inconvenienced by something, or the next time you're having an argument or a disagreement with someone, let your posture of your heart be gentle, because that's what we've received. And so therefore, that's what we're called to give. But then let the actions and the words and the things that you do also be gentle in response. And watch it affect the person that you're interacting with. Because gentleness isn't obvious in today's day and age. People fight fire with fire. 
People seek to get revenge. People take justice into their own hands. We can see that it only creates more turmoil. But imagine what it would look like if you extend the hand of gentleness, the gentle heart of Christ to the people that are around you, to your family, to your friends, to the stranger who's walking down the street, to the person who flipped you the bird. Imagine what it would look like. Think about this. You're driving along and there's road rage that happens. You know, people get angry on the road all the time. Maybe you made a mistake and cut someone off by accident because we, you know, we only do that by accident. We never cut anyone off on purpose. I certainly don't. Um, I'm joking, by the way. But, you know, imagine that someone is angry at you and they extend that anger and aggression towards you. What would it look like if you just looked at them and smiled and waved and prayed for them? They'd probably think you were silly or stupid. Because so often, if someone drives past and they're being aggressive, they're expecting like a hand to be thrown up, an aggressive response. But what would it look like if you stopped, you turned at the lights and you smiled to someone? Because this is what it's all about, guys. It's not about creating experiences for us to practice these things or for us to live by these things. As I said, this isn't about us just living them within the Christian community. Each and every one of us have our lives, have our jobs, have our friends, have families. We're called to do this in every area of our life. And we see that with Jesus. Jesus wasn't going into that crowd to specifically meet with Zacchaeus. Jesus wasn't on his way to heal the woman with an issue of blood. So often you see Jesus being interrupted from his plan and having the time and the gentleness to stop and to meet that person in their moment of need. It's not about creating or curating a space for us to live these out. It's about us taking life by the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, and inserting them into every area of our lives. Every area. No matter how costly it is, no matter if it causes you to be humble. As I said, humility is incredibly important when it comes to gentleness. Because sometimes being gentle requires us to be humble first. It's about us taking life by the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, gentleness specifically today, and living it out in every area of our life so that we can extend what we've received the gentle hand of God, the gentle tongue of God. It says in Proverbs that a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Extending the gentleness of Christ, just as Paul did to the church in Corinth. Let us extend that to every circumstance, to every person, to every experience that we have and watch the difference it makes. Watch us be countercultural. Watch us become a hope revolution. Watch us have impact on the people around us because gentleness is foreign in this world. And that is the perfect spot for us to be as believers. Championing the kingdom of God, advancing his kingdom through us living as dedicated followers under the yoke of Christ with the fruits of the spirit exhibited in our lives. Let me pray for us this morning. If you want to just stick your hands out, as I said, gentleness is something that we first receive before we can give it. And so just to encourage you to stick your hands out, get in a posture where you're comfortable to receive. And I want to pray for us this morning that we would first receive the gentleness of God 
And that if we can't think about what that means for us, that we, at the eyes of our hearts, would be opened to understand how Christ has been personally gentle to us. And so that we may then extend that in both our attitude and our value, but also then in our action to those around us. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your gentleness. Lord, we thank you for your gentleness. Jesus, thank you that you called for us to come to you to take on your yoke, to see how you are gentle and humble in heart and to find rest, to find restoration for our souls. Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears to see how you have been gentle with us. Lord, that that may transform us, that that may encourage us. Lord, that we may see how you work in our lives. But God, not just for our sake, Lord, I pray that we would then take that and that we would live by the fruit of the Spirit, both internally, in our thoughts, in our attitude, in the posture of our heart. Lord, that we would be gentle in those things. But Father, that we would also be gentle in action. Lord, that we would extend your gentleness to those around us. Father, give us the courage to do that. Lord, I pray that you would humble our hearts to do that. God, I pray that we would grow in this fruit of your spirit. And so that the world around us, in each and every pocket that we experience and that we live in, would come to know your gentle heart and through it, your grace, your love, and your mercy for all of mankind. I pray these things in your name. Amen.